Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. All right, today we have the story of U.S. Navy SEAL Chief Petty Officer Edward Byers. We're going to talk about his Medal of Honor citation for actions in Afghanistan in 2012. Now, the action that we're going to talk about is fast and furious. This is one of those where it's a matter of seconds, split-second decisions, and minutes later, everything is done. But I think it helps provide a lot of context and background and kind of dive in, be able to spend some time on those actions to explain why they're so heroic and why he was, was awarded the Medal of Honor. So on December 5th in 2012, in Afghanistan, there's a gentleman named Dr. Joseph, Dr. Dilip Joseph, Dr. Joseph, and he is an American citizen and he's providing aid in Afghanistan. He's a doctor, medical doctor. And this is tough. This is hard to, to dial in on. I, he's giving his time, his money, his energy and risking his life, as we're going to see here, to help others and and he's kidnapped by, Tal- by the Taliban as he's um, in and around Kabul on December 5th. He's kidnapped. And not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but that sucks. That, you know, there are people that need that, especially in parts of Afghanistan that need this medical attention and need, need somebody to have this, this love and, and care for people they don't even know to travel around the world to, to provide this. And then somebody does and they get kidnapped and held hostage and, and are at risk of being killed. I mean, Afghanistan is not the only place this happens, but you can see how the next, somebody reads about that in the news and they're getting ready to go and they're going to cancel their trip. Or it's not even a consideration for somebody to go travel to, this part of the country, this part of the world and, and provide their services to those who need it because the last guy who did it got kidnapped. It, it sucks for the people of Afghanistan because there are folks that want to help and want to go and provide these services and help and they can't or won't. And quite frankly, maybe shouldn't. I don't know that even today it's, I don't think today that it's, it's safe to do that. And there's a lot of people to suffer because of that. But to get off the soapbox, Dr. Joseph on December 5th, 2012 is kidnapped, is captured, held hostage. It's a group that is, we'll say, affiliated with the Taliban. Across Afghanistan, we we tend to group any resistance to the United States or NATO or the Afghan government as being Taliban. And it's not that cut and dry. There's a lot of little groups. as, as small as maybe a, you could even just call it a local warlord that um, maybe has ties to the Taliban and, and maybe in some way, shape or form is affiliated, but not they're not necessarily part of the larger Taliban organization. But we do tend to kind of group everything together. This group here sounds like they are at least affiliated, if not completely under the Taliban banner and taking orders through that organization. So on the 5th, he's captured and they start to move him around the country. And as soon as he's recognized as being, as going missing, the alert goes up and the alert is 
twofold. One is he could be killed, of course. But the second is that there's a window of time where the United States can still can still rescue him before he's going to be out of reach. And this is a weird dynamic in the war in Afghanistan. He's, you know, I'll skip ahead and then come back here. They find out that he's in an area in, in Logman province. In Logman province, there's a road that runs east-west through Logman from Kabul to Jalalabad uh, into through an area known as Torkham Gate into Pakistan. And then another one that goes north through Jalalabad up into a city called Asadabad and um, more areas kind of all, it's all along the Eastern portion of the country. And it's just a lot of um, known and unknown paths across this border. Don't think of it like there's a fence and guard posts and, uh, and barbed wire and checkpoints. There are those, but there's for every one of those, there's um, tens of miles of open territory that can be crossed um, without being checked. And the problem is that, as they identify that Dr. Joseph is in Logman, which is crazy, by the way, to that quickly pick up the location um, very confidently. It, we're going to see they nailed it um, down to the building that he's in. But the risk is that he ends up in Pakistan. And Pakistan is a U.S. ally, formally, I guess, technically an ally. But a lot of folks that wish to do U.S. harm and many in Afghanistan harm have this sanctuary in Pakistan where they can just come and go as needed. And you'll see this in a lot of cases in major battles up and down the Eastern portion of Afghanistan, some of those deep valleys where fighters will mass in Pakistan, come over for an attack and, and do what they can to scoot back across the border because we won't really pursue them. There's plenty of drone strikes. There's been a lot of controversy around that, but in terms of putting troops on the ground in Pakistan, it's just not a thing. I mean, you remember the controversy around the bin Laden raid and that, you know, it was, it was a military operation in a sovereign country, but we really struggle with gaining, I'll say 100% support from the Pakistan government in pursuing some of these issues or locking down the border. So, you know, if they get across the border, it's not a lost cause, but we lose the flexibility of being able to action, take action on a target or, or conduct a raid like we're going to see here as soon as they get across the border. So there, there's this window of time that's, that's um, decreasing. And look, it, it's not, I wonder if they're going to go to Pakistan. If you're the Taliban, that's what you're doing. You're getting out of harm's way. We, we've talked about raids across Afghanistan before. And, and um, if you can be in Afghanistan and risk um, the U S military or Afghan special operations hitting you in the middle of the night, or you can just move five miles to the East and not have to worry about it. I mean, come on. Of course, they're moving into Pakistan. It's a little safer. So captured on the 5th, Dr. Joseph, captured on the 5th. By the evening of the 8th, December 8th, the uh, U.S. military decides that it's time to take action. They have enough confidence on the location of Dr. Joseph and are concerned. You know, it'd be a lot of things that come into focus. Is it the right time to, to pursue the target? Is it attainable? Is it um, how confident are we? that we're going to the right place and all of those come together and they take a SEAL team that includes um, Petty Officer, Chief Petty Officer Edward Byers and, and a few others and inserts them in Logman province in the middle of the night and they march over terrain for a couple hours before they get near the compound. They do this because this is a hostage rescue and the concern is if they think that the 
Americans are outside the door trying to get the hostage, they might just shoot them. So they have to sneak up on the hostage. How far away then do you need to be landed, set down in a helicopter or get out of vehicles? In this case, it's helicopters. How far away do you need to be to be confident that the Taliban don't know you're onto them, right? So in this case, it was a four-hour walk, would have been a handful of miles away in the middle of the night, moving across pretty nasty terrain. And they get within about 75 feet of the compound and they're spotted. Now, again, you know, depending on what the purpose of the operation is, you can do different things. But in this case, the risk is that they're going to go in and shoot the hostage. So when they're spotted, they have to silence the guard. And they, to do so, Byers and one other Navy SEAL named Nicholas Check, Petty Officer First Class Nicholas Check, run forward to kill the guard so he can't alert the others or at least doesn't have enough time to alert the others. And they, they end up right outside the entrance is what I'll say um, for a reason. We'll come back to that. The entrance to this small compound. It's an entrance instead of a door because in this case, and it's not uncommon across Afghanistan, instead of a, what we think of as a door, like I have you know, behind me here in the office, there might be um, blankets that are draped across the door that, that serve a similar purpose, keeps the wind out, keeps, keeps dirt out to a degree and, and blocks the light and heat and all that. But if you're trying to clear a room and you're going in expecting gunfire, it's, you want a clear opening. You don't want, you, you know, think about it, walking through a blanket, it's kind of draped over you awkwardly. It's pushing your weapon down. It might pull your night vision goggles up. There's all sorts of reasons you don't want to walk through a blanket. So buyers being the, the lead man here is pulling down the blankets from the doorway as gunfire erupts and those blankets aren't going to stop gunfire. So he exposes himself to pull these blankets down and they go ahead and, and enter the building. Petty officer, first class Nicholas check enters first is immediately shot and killed without hesitation. And this is, you know, we've talked a little bit about clearing rooms in the past and how you just can't stop. There's no time to pause and soak up what's going on. It's violence of action. Buyers, without hesitation, charges right in, engages and kills the gunman that shot, um, shot check. And as he does so, identifies somebody running across the room, a dark room at night, identifies somebody running across the room. Now, you can't just go in guns blazing, shooting everything that moves. So think of the split second decisions of you go into a room where now you know there's an enemy fighter because your buddy was just shot in front of you. You don't just have to shoot and kill a, the person. You have to make sure that they're actually engaging you because the person you're trying to save is in there. So he does that. He kills the first gunman and then sees somebody sprinting across the room. We can't just shoot that person. So he tackles them. He tackles this person, takes them to the ground. And as they're wrestling on the ground, because remember, the hostage might be running too. If you're a hostage in a room with people pointing guns at you and gunfire erupts all around, you can't make the assumption that the gunfire is an American force coming to get you. What if it's another enemy force? Why not use it as a time to get away? If there's gunfire in the room that you're sitting, why would you not get up and run out? All of those are rational. And this gunfire starts erupting in a small, dark room. It, it, there's any number of things somebody could do. So Byers tackles this person, gets him to the ground, flips him over, 
looks at them under night vision, adjusts his goggles to get the focus right, and identifies that it is not the hostage. He kills this enemy attacker and just then, this enemy fighter, and just then hears a U.S. voice. Now they're calling for him. As soon as they enter the room, they're going to be calling for him, trying to get his attention to let him know, remember, don't run. Um, Let us know who you are. We're, We're here to save you. We're here to get you. And he hears a voice. Byers hears a voice. Here's an American voice. Here's English. He leaps across the room. And because there's bullets flying, there's still enemy fighters in the room, still firing. It's a small room at night, and it's confusing and loud and deadly. He jumps on the American hostage, Dr. Joseph, to shield him from any stray rounds. And at the same time, notices an enemy fighter right behind him crawling towards his weapon. So Byers takes his hand, his bare hand, and and grabs the enemy by the throat and pins him to the wall. Pins him to the wall because he can't reach his weapon at the time and holds the enemy fighter there until one of his fellow SEALs can engage and kill that enemy. Think of the trust it takes to be in a room where there are unknown number of enemy fighters. Is it two? Is it six? Are there seven around back? You don't know. And they're still firing. Think of the trust in your teammate to throw yourself down on top of this hostage, Dr. Joseph, to protect him in a situation where you are not going to be as able to defend yourself. Right? So buyers can defend himself very well when he is, is on his feet on his knees, um, when he has his weapon ready. He's, he's very, very, very capable. But he puts all of that aside to shield this hostage from any stray rounds or intentional rounds. But in doing so, is is kind of placing his safety 100% in the hands of those around him. Think of that trust. Like, that's crazy to just dive like that and be ready to, to do what's needed to save the hostage. The mission is a success. They save the hostage. Let me reframe, rephrase this. The mission is a success in that the hostage is rescued. Dr. Joseph is brought home. He writes a book about his whole experience. It's worth looking into. Petty officer first class Nicholas Czech was killed. And a handful of enemy fighters, Taliban fighters were killed as well. They would try to resuscitate, check on the flight out and, and back to the hospital um, to no avail. He would be awarded posthumously the Navy Cross, so the second highest award for valor. Um, but if you if you look at the objective of the mission, the idea is, is get the hostage out, then we're going to call that call that a success. But and incredible actions by buyers to just charge into the room that is spewing deadly fire without hesitation to tackle an enemy combatant under fire, to then hold another one down while he's shielding the American hostage. Like it was one thing after another, you wouldn't stop until the mission was completed. But there's a larger piece of this that I started to touch on at the very beginning, which is just unfortunate in the conflict in Afghanistan. It's bigger than this action, bigger than buyers, bigger than than Dr. Joseph is um, how many people died because this man was trying to provide help. He's, he's trying to be a good person. He was trying to provide medical care to those in need. And the outcome is one American killed and countless Taliban killed.
Afghans killed. So it's that you want to know why there's more people not taking that risk to go help those in need. Look at what happens. Hopefully this changes over time. Hopefully we get, and I think it will. It has in any other conflict, you tend to see this, this shift over time to where um, folks can go in and, and help as needed. Um, but nonetheless, incredible actions by Petty Officer, Chief Petty Officer Edward Byers on December 8th and 9th, 2012. Byers would stay in the military for 21 years total and would retire in 2019 at the rank of Master Chief Petty Officer. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.